All right, we are starting a brand new series today called Life Hacks. Anybody ready for the Word of God? Come on, come on. Let's clap with some expectation. I'm excited to bring this word to you. I don't know if you've noticed, but I think 2020 could use a few life hacks. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, anybody else feel like, you know, a couple shortcuts might go a long way in 2020. It's been a little bit of a, of a, a long year already, and we're just halfway there. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, life hacks. I think by the introduction, you understand the concept now if you haven't been familiar with it. But uh, yeah, life hacks are those little tricks and tips to try to make life a little easier. Uh, I, let me show you a couple before we actually get into the message. Here's one maybe you could use if you got a few extra tennis balls laying around, you know, cut a hole in it. You don't lose your keys. You don't lose your mail. Kind of cute. That's a pretty good life hack, right? Not every life hack is totally uh, good advice. I read a lot of them on the internet, and I just got to say, not all of them are great. This one, however, this was great. How about this next one? What do you think? Huh? I mean, you need an iPhone speaker? The good thing about that life hack is everybody has plenty of empty rolls of toilet paper, right? So, I mean, you're not throwing those out. You're just hoping like God's going to provide, you know, and just it's going to multiply or something. But or how about this life hack? I love this one. If your significant other is mad at you, put a cape on them and say, now you're super mad. And if they laugh, marry them. Like, that's just some free advice for you young single folks, you know, or old single folks. If they laugh at that joke, you found the one. All right, that's probably some great advice. Let me give you one more. This was good. If your dog gets out, don't chase it. Lie down and pretend you're hurt. They'll come back to you and see if you're okay. So, life hacks. Again, some of them are better than others. My, my two youngest daughters, they're in the service uh, here uh, they, they go on this website on YouTube, uh, a website on YouTube. I sound like a boomer now. <laughs> they go on this website on YouTube, and it's on the interwebs. Anyway, they go on this channel on YouTube. All the young folks are dogging me now. And, and it's just life hacks. And, and it, they just love watching it because they're so stupid. Like, none of them are, they, would act, they wouldn't actually work. But, you know, honestly, my nephew, they're... Uh, my mom stopped their nephew from putting his cell phone in the microwave because he saw a deal on the internet that said you could dry it out. And I'm thinking, no, that's just, so not all life hacks are good counsel. Let me just tell you that in case you're, you know, looking up stuff on the internet and you didn't know it in 2020, but it's not all true. But how many of you are old enough to remember before popcorn came in the little uh, bag, you know, and you just put it in the microwave for three minutes? How many of you remember when it was a can? You know, you put it on the stovetop, the jiffy pop. Yeah. Check out this life hack. Battery dead in your smoke alarm? Just use popcorn as a smoke alarm. When you hear crackling, grab your popcorn and leave. <laughs> Again, not all life hacks are good counsel. Probably wouldn't recommend that one. But I want to give you some good counsel in this series. I'm going to give you some life hacks that are practical help in the journey of life. And to do it, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to go there. Just find the middle of your Bible, and you probably got close. If you're in Psalms, take a right. Book of Proverbs. And let me explain as we're turning there that Proverbs are short sayings. That's really what it means. They're, they're short 
sayings. They're words of wisdom. That's what you find in the book of Proverbs, words of wisdom. And I need to make sure you understand before we jump into this series that wisdom is not just intellectual knowledge. In fact, the word that is translated as wisdom in our language in the original Hebrew, which the Old Testament is written in, is the word chukmah. And the word actually means skillfulness or applied knowledge. So it's different than just having knowledge. It's the application of that knowledge. It's skillfulness. That's why in the Old Testament, the people that were, uh, that were written about that had wisdom were not just the scholars or the academics. It was the people that were the craftsmen. People that were the builders, the woodworkers. In fact, Exodus chapter 31 tells about a man named Bezalel, and the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And then it goes on to say what he was filled with the Spirit of wisdom to do. He made things out of uh, gold and silver and cut stone and and woodwork and all kinds of crafts. He He was an artisan. He was a craftsman. And he had chukmah. He had wisdom. If you want to remember it this way, just think about the word wisdom, and right in the middle of the word wisdom is the word do. All right, so wisdom is more than just what you think. It's the application of that knowledge. It's what you do. And so the purpose of the Proverbs is simply this, to give us practical skills for living well in God's world. That's what we're going to get out of this series, practical skills for living well in God's world, or what I would call life hacks. We're going to get some life hacks today. How many of you would agree with me that that we could use some wisdom in 2020? I mean, it it seems like right now our culture is, is kind of being overrun with a tidal wave and one wave after another of issues, and it's easy to kind of get turned around and spun upside. I don't know if you've ever been taken out by a wave at the beach, uh, but that's a scary feeling after about the third tumble and you realize, I don't know which way to swim to breathe again. Ever been there? You're just flipping around and you, you know, you, you finally you come up spitting and sputtering and, and asking yourself why I'm doing this. <laughs> that's kind of how it feels to get up and look at today's current events, doesn't it? Or to, to watch the evening news, you're like, man, another wave just keeps crashing in one after another. And here's the reality. Crisis reveals character. What's in you will come out when you're squeezed by life. In fact, let me give you a proverb. This, this is an awesome one. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says this. If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Now, I think Eugene Peterson hit the nail on the head in his uh, paraphrase of scriptures. Here's how he translated that verse you're looking at. He said it like this. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. (laughs) Come on, that's probably not the word of encouragement you came to hear this morning. I know. But if you fall to pieces in a crisis... There probably wasn't much to you in the first place. What is he saying? What is this psalmist saying? He's saying that crisis reveals character. I heard a statement uh, from Warren Buffett this week. He said this. He said, when the tide goes out, you can see who's been swimming without shorts. (laughs) Ever felt like you got caught? 
You know, we have these tidal waves of circumstances hitting our world, hitting our emotions, hitting our relationships, hitting on every level. And then the tide goes out. And I got to say, it seems like a lot of people, even in the church in 2020, are missing their chukmah. <laughs> They're missing wisdom. But the crisis reveals your character. And here's the good news today. Wisdom covers us. Let me give you another proverb. I love this one. It's the last chapter. Proverbs chapter 31 describes a woman who has wisdom. And here's what it says about her in verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Now, I won't ask you to respond, but I wonder if that's your reality. Can you laugh at the days to come? Can you stand in, in, in the realities that we're all facing as a culture, as a nation, whether it's political or, or a health situation or a social uh, structure? Can you laugh at the days to come? Well, the woman who is clothed in strength and dignity can. Why? Because she has wisdom, and wisdom covers us. So let me give you a little bit of the background as we jump into this Proverbs series. Go to the first chapter with me. And, and some books are hard to understand what they're about, but Proverbs is not one of those books. If you want to know what the book of Proverbs is all about, the key is literally hanging on the front door. The first seven verses communicate to us exactly the purpose of this book. Look at the first verse with me. Proverbs 1 and 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, let me say before I jump any farther, because I am going to stop here for a little while. Some of you have heard me try to preach expository series on books of the Bible, and you know that I usually don't get very far very fast. So let me just say, in case you're getting nervous and wondering about you know, lunch later, <laughs> I don't plan on preaching every verse of Proverbs. <laughs> in this series, uh, nor do I plan on preaching every chapter, but I do want to walk you through some of the first verses, and I want to stop at this one because on verse one, chapter one, he introduces himself as the author, and most of you might know this, but some might not. Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived, and, and that's not on my authority or, or anyone else's authority. That's on God's authority, and so I want to show you how he came to be the wisest man who ever lived. If you look in First Kings Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 3, we meet Solomon as a 20-year-old man. He's 20 years old, and now he is sitting on the throne of his father, David. He's the king, and he doesn't have a clue what to do. In fact, he even says it in the text. He said, I'm 20 years old. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead these people. In fact, there's so many of the people, I don't even know how to count that many people. I don't know what to do. But he does something that's very wise. He goes to Gibeon and he builds an altar of worship to the Lord. He makes a thousand sacrifices to God. Now that might be a little bit excessive, but it got God's attention. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 3 that God showed up in the night to Solomon in a dream. He spoke to him in a dream. And, and God asked him the most incredible question in that dream down in about verse 5, at the latter part of it, he said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wouldn't it be fun to just stop and daydream about that? 
I mean, what a proposition. I mean, isn't that like the, the, the ultimate conversation starter, you know, to try to get inside somebody's thinking? If you could have anything in the world, what would you ask for? That's essentially the offer that's on the table here. I mean, if you were walking along the beach and you found an old bottle and, and you popped the cork off and a genie popped out of it and said, I'm going to grant you three wishes, what would you wish for? We've all played that game before. We've all thought about that. But for Solomon, it wasn't hypothetical. God said, ask me for what you want me to give you. You know what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. Wisdom. He said, God, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to lead these people. I'm not going to be able to, to govern them right. More than anything else, God, I need you to give me wisdom. And God was so pleased with his response. I want you to see what the Lord said to Solomon in response to that request. It's in 1 Kings 3, verse 10. He said, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment, in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I'll give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So God said, no one that has ever lived will be wiser than I'm going to make you. And no one that will ever live beyond you will be wiser than I am making you. Why? Because I'm so pleased with your desire to gain wisdom. Look at verse 13. Moreover, God's not finished. I'll give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So God said, I'm going to give you a long life, but not only am I going to give you what you ask for, and if you obey me, I'm going to give you a long life. He said, I'm going to give you the things you didn't ask for, because that's what wisdom does. What Wisdom doesn't just add years to your life. Wisdom adds life to your years. And he said, I'm going to bless you because you prioritized honoring me, because you said the priority of my life is to fulfill the purpose that you ordained for me. Above all things that I want is to say, God, I want to steward this opportunity well. See, that's, that's what it means to have a priority that's aligned with the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, we've talked about it many times this year. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. And when God saw Solomon, and he said, here's a man, I offered him all the world, all the riches. I'll destroy your enemies. I'll make you famous. I'll give you better looks, whatever you want. And he said, God, what I want more than anything else is to do a good job doing what you've called me for. And to do it, I need your wisdom. And God said, I'm going to give you that. And all these other things will be added to you as well. Go, go to 1 Kings chapter 4 with me. I just want you to see just a snapshot of the wisdom of Solomon. 1 Kings 4, 29 says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. 
Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, the Ezraite, wiser than He-Man, master of the universe, and Skeletor. <laughs> Just making sure you're paying attention. I see more people in the 11 o'clock service grew up on 80s cartoons than the 9 a.m. service. Because y'all got that way faster than they did. I almost had to explain that. I'm glad y'all are with me today. Verse 32 says he spoke, look at this, 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. Now you know I said I'm not going to preach on all the proverbs. We wouldn't be done until 2030. 3,000 proverbs. Verse 33 says, he spoke about plant life, from the great cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of a wall. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Can you imagine having wisdom like that? That whatever the conversation turns to, you're the authority in the room. I mean, you... you you want to talk politics? Solomon's the guy. You want to, you want to talk agriculture? He, he probably knows more than anybody else. You, you want to talk business? You want to talk weather, geography, oceanography? He knows it all. He's got so much. This is not just book study knowledge. This is divine. This is God imparting wisdom into his heart to govern well. It, it says in 1 Kings chapter 10 that the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon. And, and I love the way it says it in the first verse. It doesn't say that she came to visit him because he was so incredibly wise. It says she came to visit him because she heard about his fame and his relationship with God. So it wasn't just that he was smart. It was that everybody knew that his wisdom was tethered to his relationship to an almighty God. She got word about his relationship with God. And, and, and it says she came. And I love the way verse 2 says it. She came to him in the last part of 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 2 says, she talked to him about all that she had on her mind. Guys, how many of you know that was a long conversation? <laughs> she talked to him about everything she had on her mind. It said she asked him hard questions. I'm going to move on before I get in trouble here. But it says that she saw the wisdom of Solomon. She saw his palace. She saw the, the food that was spread out on his table. She saw his servants. She saw the temple of the Lord and the sacrifices that were made to God there. And it says in the latter part of verse 5 in 1 Kings 10, it says she was overwhelmed. Here's a life hack, guys. You want to overwhelm a girl? Get in Proverbs, all right? Get wisdom. She was overwhelmed. So this is Solomon. And he introduces himself in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. And after he introduces himself, he gives us about five reasons that this book is being written. So again, right here, hanging on the doorpost of the book of Proverbs, I want you to just look at it with me. He explains why he's written this book. Look at verse 2 with me, Proverbs chapter 1. 
It's for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. That's what it's for. Number three, or verse three, he says, it's for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Now, that word prudent is not a word that we use too often today, but what it really means is to just have careful thought for the future. Come on, how many think it would be good for us to have some careful thought about the future? He said, I'm writing this so that you slow down, so that you don't just make decisions today without any thought for tomorrow. So I'm writing this to give you instructions in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. Verse 4, he said, I'm writing this for giving prudence to those who are simple. Now, I think that's just a polite Bible word for stupid. I don't know. I could be wrong. I didn't, I didn't study the original text, but he's saying some of you, you're just, you're just simple. You just don't think stuff through. You don't process stuff. You just make decisions based on your emotions. If you're, if you're just simple-minded, this book is for you. And then he says, knowledge and discretion to the young. Now, for some, it's not that they're, it's not that they're just foolish or that they don't think things through. It's, they're just young. They're inexperienced. They've never been down this road before. How would I know what to do? I've never been here. And I think all of us on some level feel young in 2020. On another level, we feel old, but that's a different sermon. You know, we feel like, man, I'm dealing with stuff I've never dealt with before. I'm not sure how to process this. And he said, for those of you that are young, I'm going to teach you knowledge and discretion. Verse five, he says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And I'm so glad he said that because some of you, you already started checking out. I mean, you thought, you know what? This is, this is, a, med- this is a message for new believers. I can tell already. You know, he, he's, teaching, he's teaching some basic stuff. No, he said, if you're wise, this is for you too because you need to add to your knowledge. How many of you understand? We, ne- we never stop growing in our faith. We never stop adding to our knowledge. And we never get past those, those foundational things. We never get past the things that are just, just the building blocks of our faith. Because we never get off of the building blocks of our faith. So we keep coming back to him. And he says, if you're wise already, you need to get wiser. (laughs) If you're wise already, you need to add to your learning and let the discerning, he said, get guidance. So if you already have a heart of discernment, you still need guidance. That's why I'm writing this, he says. Look at verse 6. He says, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. That's what this is for. Now, that, that's a tall order. I mean, that's a lot to accomplish. And, and he's only six verses in, and he said, this is, this is my thesis statement. This is what I'm going to accomplish in writing my 3,000 proverbs and my 1,005 songs. This is what it's for. How do we do it? Where do we start? Well, the next verse tells us how to begin. Here's the first step. Verse 7, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Life hack number one. If you're in the room, write it down. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Come on, if you're online, put it in the comments. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where do do I grasp 
the wisdom that God wants me to have, it begins with a fear of the Lord. And let me say, fearing the Lord does not mean a, a, a trepidation. Fearing the Lord does not mean that I'm, I'm scared to come into his presence or, or, or that, that I have a dread of being around God or godliness. In fact, the very opposite is true in the Bible. The Bible says that we as the people of God can come boldly into his presence where we might find mercy and grace in our time of need. Why? Because we come to God as his children. We don't come to him as a high official in a courtroom. We come to him as his children would. So a judge may be intimidating, but if the judge is your dad, you see beyond the black robe. It's a different relationship. And so we can come to God. So fearing the Lord does not mean I'm afraid of God. In fact, the fear of the Lord means I have a respect for God. It means I have a reverence for God. If I can give you a really short three-letter definition, it's awe. Awe. To fear the Lord is to have an awareness of God's presence and his perspective. Wisdom. Hear me today, church. Wisdom is getting God's point of view. How many of you would believe with me today that with all the stuff going on in our world, political stuff, pandemic stuff, people group stuff, with all the stuff going on in the world, we need to remember that God has a point of view. He does have an opinion. And sometimes we can be so fixated on getting our opinion expressed and hearing what other people's opinion are that we can forget that God has a perspective about all of it. He has an opinion, and he wants us to understand it. Everybody's trying to stay woke, but how many of you know we need to stay wise? God has an opinion, and he wants us to understand it. And the fear of the Lord, the awe, of his presence and his perspective is the beginning of wisdom. Now, let me give you a really, really good news today. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Isn't that good news? I mean, didn't you think at this point it was about to get harder? I mean, come on, I just like took all the air out like, Whew, that's it? You can just ask God? Why don't you lead with that? Come on, preacher. Making it all tense up in here. Ask God. He said you should ask God who gives generously to all. Some of you were waiting for the, 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 the caveat. What's the clause? What's the catch? No, he gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And we don't have time to go into it, but if I explain the, the context of that verse, it'd be even more powerful to you, because James was writing to a church that was persecuted. He was writing to a church that knew a little something about crisis. They were being threatened. And, and James writes to them, and he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face these various trials. And then after that, he says, if in the middle of all the trials you're facing, in the middle of you not knowing what to do in the midst of a crisis, if you lack wisdom... Ask God. That's where that word comes to the church. In the middle of a crisis, ask God for wisdom, and he'll give generously without finding fault. It will be given to you. Life hack number two, God's word is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God 
is the word of God. It's important that you know that. Look at the next verse with me in Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 8, it says this. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now, this is the first of 10 father-son speeches in the book of Proverbs. We actually don't get to the little one-liner Proverbs till about chapter 10, where Solomon just starts like throwing these Holy Spirit-inspired fortune cookies on the table. It's like, truth bomb, truth bomb, truth bomb. I love it. But you got to wait till chapter 10 to get to those. But there's like 10 little father-son speeches that he gives in, in the book. And this is the first one. He says, listen, my son. But you have to understand the way that we got Scripture you got to understand the way that this was written because it was written by human authors, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so Solomon is saying to his son, listen, my son, to your father, just like he listened to his father, David. But you got to read it like this. you got to understand that your father in heaven is saying, listen, my son, listen, my daughter. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. God is speaking to us through his word. That's why Paul the Apostle, when when he was writing to one of the churches in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, he said, I thank my God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. I love that verse. Paul said, when you heard the word, you received it. Not just as, as something that your, your pastor told you. you. You understood that what I was saying was the word of God. And you respond to God's word differently than you respond to man's word. You respond to God's word differently than other people's. We're talking about getting wisdom. We're talking about God's point of view. And Can I tell you that the word of God is the wisdom of God. And when you work the word, guess what? The word works. The Word's working right now, this morning. You know what the Word of God is doing? It's challenging us to to, to avert our eyes from the the headlines, from what's trending, from the news feed. It's challenging us to, to get back to center. The Word of God is calling us today to say, look, meditate on my truth. Meditate on a different perspective. Don't be sidelined by all the the stuff and the noise of this life. My word is calling out to you. In fact, wisdom in the book of Proverbs is personified as a woman. It's poetic, and it's saying that you know, wisdom, there's four poems in the book of Proverbs about this woman called wisdom. And in chapter 1, verse 20, we get that first little picture of wisdom. And it says this, Proverbs 1.20, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you, who are simple, love your simple ways, she says. How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known to you my teachings. Wisdom. 
It's calling out. It's calling out to us. In another one of those father-son speeches in Proverbs chapter 2, the father is telling his son, you need to seek wisdom. You need to listen. And here's what he tells him. He says, if you'll seek wisdom, Proverbs 2 verse 4, he says, if you'll look for it as for silver, Proverbs 2 verse 4, there we go. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. There's so much grace in that. Because so many times it's easy for us to, to think we, we can't find the wisdom of God. We can't find the knowledge of God. And maybe even a moment ago when I described the fear of the Lord, that, that wasn't enough for you. Your wills are still turning. You're going, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. How do I approach God but I fear God? How do I know God loves me but I'm supposed to reverence him? And, and you're trying to figure all that out. And what the Father says to the Son and what our Father says to us today is that if you'll search for wisdom, as if you were seeking out silver or gold, a hidden treasure, if you will search for wisdom, you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God. Proverbs 8 verse 1 asks an awesome question. It says, does not wisdom call out? And does not understanding raise her voice? And the scripture would respond emphatically, Yes, yes, the wisdom of God is in the word of God. Wisdom has raised her voice, and the loudest and clearest voice of God's wisdom is his word. I want to challenge you to do something with me this summer, something that I've done personally. If I've done it once, I've done it a dozen times. There's 31 days in the month of July. July 1st is this Wednesday, and there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So I want to challenge you to read one chapter of Proverbs every day in the month of July. I want to challenge you to say every day, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get God's perspective. I, I want to know what God has to say to me. Now, if you're on another Bible reading program and, and you're kind of moving through the Bible, great. Keep that up. Every chapter is short. It's not going to be a burden to you. But do it with us. Make up your mind to say, as a church, this summer is going to be the time that I set aside to say, I want to hear from God. I want to know God's perspective. I want him to speak to me. And here's what I want you to do. Every day, I want you to set aside a time, set aside a place, and I want you to show up at that place with your Bible open and a pen, something to write on, a journal or a tablet, and go to the, on July 1st, on Wednesday, go to the first verse of the first chapter and begin to read that chapter. And as you read it, say, God, speak to me. God, give me wisdom. And I don't want, I don't want you to ask God to just give you a full sermon or expound on all the verses in that chapter, I want you to ask God for one truth. God, say one thing to me today that you want me to hear. Give me one thing that's going to help me to receive instruction in prudent behavior. Give me one thing that's going to cause me to do right and to be just and to walk in fairness. Lord, give me one thing today that's going to give prudence to the simple and to the young and to add wisdom to the learned. 
And I want to I challenge you for 31 days. Let's do it together as a church and say, this is the summer. Why? Because wisdom is calling out in the street. Calling out from the back seat, floorboard of your car. Calling out from the coffee table. Wisdom is crying out. But we got to get it. We got to go get some. I want you to think about that, that place for you. Because I, I don't want this to stay in this like, world of motivational speech and, and, and ethereal ideas. Where is it in your mind right now? Think about that place you're going to sit. Maybe it's at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee. That's required for me. Journal, Bible, coffee, or it's no good. Like That's got to be there. But whatever that is for you, maybe it's on the back porch, maybe for you it's in the evening or lunchtime, but I want you to imagine that place you're going to be every day to get a word and a perspective from God. And while you're thinking about that place, I want you to listen to these words in Proverbs 8, this appeal, verse 33. It says this, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Can you just imagine? You're right there. You got your Bible. What are you doing? You're, you're watching daily at his doors. You're just waiting for wisdom to, to walk in. Lord, breathe, breathe life off the page. Lord, I'm, I'm listening. I'm watching daily at your door for wisdom to speak, and then it says, for those who find me, verse 35, find life, and they receive favor from the Lord. Before I end this message, I got to give you one of my absolute favorite Proverbs. I'll probably give it to you more than once in this series, but I love this verse. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I just love that. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost sounds like a memo from the office of the redundancy department of redundance, but <laughs> I just love it. Get, you want wisdom? Get wisdom. How, how, do, how do I get wisdom? Get wisdom. And then he says, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. In other words, he's saying, this is, this is priceless. It's worth whatever it takes. Get wisdom. If you want to get wisdom, you get it. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, you just start. It, it, it may just start by saying, I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to read the book. I'm going to read one of the wisdom books. I'm going to read the book of Proverbs with an open Bible and an open heart and an open journal. And I'm not going to just hope God speaks to me. I'm going to listen and I'm going to write it down. So 31 days from now, I'm going to say, wow, God taught me 31 things in the month of July. I never had a summer like that before. Get wisdom. I've talked to so many people that have said, man, I just don't know how to find the will of God. You know how to find the will of God? Do the will of God. That's how you find the will of God. What do we do? We look at this one little area of our life where we don't have a clue what God wants to do, and we let that one little area of, of, of obscurity and unknown paralyze us from all the other things that we know that God wants us to do. I mean, what do you know about God's will? Well, he said, you know, be faithful to his house. I'm going to go to church. I know he wants me to do that. He said to treat others like you want to be treated. Well, you know, I'm going to try to do that. I, I, I'm going I'm to 
invest my life and, and my finances in the ministry. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to be a part of a bigger picture. I know he wants me to do that. And you just start doing the known will of God, and God begins to reveal his unknown will. That is good. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I'm glad you're here today. I, I, I'm leaning into the applause online. Thank you so much for shouting me down. Thank you so much for losing your mind with the amens online. I'm just envisioning a bunch of emojis. You know, that's what we should have done. We should have just gave everybody emojis. Y'all were so vocal online. It was like hearts. Yeah, yes, awesome. Crickets, man. Y'all give me crickets this morning. I'm trying to help you. God wants to reveal wisdom in your life, but... His wisdom is primarily in his word. Let me, let me close by saying this, and, and this, is, this is really, really important, really important. Because when you read the book of Proverbs, you get all these little like nuggets, ideas, these little thoughts, and they're, they're awesome. Most of them could apply in the world of business just as much in the, in the church world. And so if you're not careful, you can read a book like Proverbs and you can just start to receive it as just a moralistic message. Hear me today, moralism can't save you. Only a Messiah can do that. You need a savior. So what I'm not saying is, you know, read the book of Proverbs and just figure out how to, you know, deal with your enemy who steals your goat or whatever, you know, there are all these little applications to different parts of our lives. What I'm saying is, Jesus is the wisdom of God in the flesh. He is wisdom personified. The Bible says in Colossians chapter three, 2 and verse 3, it says, all the treasure of the wisdom and the knowledge of God are hidden in Christ Jesus. So understand that this is not just a message about making good choices. In fact, Jesus, who is the wisdom of God, he spoke about the Queen of Sheba that we read about in 1 Kings chapter 10. He was teaching one day, and he taught about her. I want to read it to you. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, the Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Why, why is she going to condemn it? For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now, something greater than Solomon is here. You know why Jesus said this queen of Sheba is going to rise and condemn that generation of onlookers? Because she came and she saw Solomon's palace. She saw his temple and his sacrifices, the table, his servants. And it said she was overwhelmed. But Jesus is the wisdom of God. First Corinthians tells us Jesus Christ has become for us the wisdom of God. And God's wisdom personified in the flesh was speaking to them. They weren't overwhelmed. They weren't in awe. They did not fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you're going to get wisdom, it has to begin with an understanding of who Jesus is. And they missed that, and they missed it all. 
And he said, the queen of Sheba is going to stand in condemnation of that generation. And I wonder how many more generations she'll stand and condemn. Because we heard the word and we received the gospel about the wisdom of God in the flesh, Jesus our Lord. We weren't overwhelmed. We weren't in awe. Wisdom called out in the street and we didn't listen. So I want to close in a prayer for all of us that God would help us this summer get wisdom. Before I pray that prayer for all of us, I want to ask a question very personally to each of us. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ where he is Savior and Lord? Where he's in charge? Where he is the final authority in your life? Do you have a relationship with Jesus where you are submitted to his will and his desire? If he were to ask you today, what do you want? I'll give you anything in the world. What do you want? If he asked you that question, would you respond and say, God, more than anything else, I want to fulfill the purpose that you have for me? Because if that's not the relationship you have with him, you don't have a relationship with him. Jesus being a good teacher is not enough to save anybody. He wasn't killed for his teachings. He was killed because he claimed to be the son of God. And if you don't know him as your savior and as your Lord, I want to invite you to know him today. I want to, I want to pray for you. I want to ask everyone to just bow your head with me. Close your eyes. No one looking around because I want you to just really respond from your heart today. I don't want you to be distracted by anyone in the room. If that's you today and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior, but I want to. I want to. Right now, would you just lift your hand? Say, that's me. Pastor, that's me. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? You can put it back down. Thank you. Anyone else? Just raise up your hand and say, today, I need to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask every believer, every Christian, everyone who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus to pray this prayer with us. Come on, how many of you know confession is good for the soul? So come on, like it's your first time, pray this prayer for you, sir, that raised your hand. Believe this in your heart. Say it out of your mouth. Believe it in your heart. Everyone, come on, let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you that he didn't stay dead. He conquered death by raising from the dead. And because he lives, I can have life. I believe today my sins are forgiven. I put my faith in you. And I'm a new person. Fill me with your spirit so that I can live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. Can we just give God praise today? Amen. Amen.